When I was a little girl, I believed in fairy tales. I wished my toys would come to life and that my stories could be real. Then through all the noise and confusion, I believed it was all an illusion. The world had faded black and white, nothing seemed to be right. But now I know that how it goes is that my dreams never die. As long as I keep the magic inside me alive, do you believe in magic? Previously in episode two, Joe and Iki entered the Scottish creature's village and were welcomed by a large gulper who explained all about their environmental work. A little slurper called Seamus invited them into his home and Joe learned all about the scary Deosif from the river creatures. After walking around the town centre, she decided to go back to the oak house and see if Iki had woken up. When she got to the front door... Seamus's mother was standing there with a large lump of something in an odd-looking dish. Hello there, young lass. I'm Mighty McSlurpa. Welcome to our home. Jo smiled and sat down at the kitchen table. Are you preparing the haggis that Seamus told me about? Lots of people in the village said it's delicious. Aye, lass. It's a delicate recipe I've been blessed with, which has been sent down the clan line right into my own kitchen. A haggis is made out of sheep's pluck, that being the heart, liver and lungs that mince in with onion, oatmeal, suet, spices and salt, mixed with stock, and you boil it in the animal's stomach for about three hours. Yuck! And double spew! Get the bucket, I want to be sick. Joe felt a tad green. The thought of eating such a disgusting combination of sheep's insides nearly made her... Throw up. What was she to do? She had to eat it, otherwise she may offend the Max Slurper, and that would never do. She did, however, decide not to tell Iki what a haggis was. She knew that Iki wouldn't give it a try if she found out what the yucky stuff was. Anyhow, if everybody says it's delicious, Iki will just gobble it up with no second thoughts. What are neeps and tatties, Mary? Seamus told me he was going to the larder to fetch some. Aye, he did the bonny laddie and made a good job of the peeling, I must say. Neeps are what you call swede, or yellow turnips, and tatties are potatoes. Oh, I see I have a lot of work to do when it comes to understanding your language. (laughs) Joe and Mary laughed. Things were so different on the other side of the world. Iki then walked into the kitchen with a sleepy look on her face. 
She had heard the laughter and was wondering what was going on. Doesn't anybody care if a Slurpit Downs child is asleep? What have you done, you little goose? You were dragging half the bedsheets with you. That's what happens when people wake creatures up with a start. Things go wrong, and that's a Slurpit Downs fact. Smelly girls are a big pain because they make too much noise. Didn't they worry about the bedsheets? They're nay important. Seamus arrived with a large bag thing that seemed to be wrapped around his waist. Joe was fascinated as she had remembered Mr Heathmont talking about Scottish bagpipes. Could these be what he spoke of in the classroom? Wow! Seamus, are they bagpipes you're carrying? My teacher told us about the history of them at school and I have always wanted to try them one day. Mr Heathmont said you have to have good lungs and a lot of puff. Is that true? Aye. My father left them to me when he died, and I thought it would be grand to show you how they work. They're not very easy to play, I hear, and if you don't blow into them just right, a very unpleasant sound comes hurtling out. Well, I don't think you can make too much of a mess if you have a gore or bagpipes. Maybe Aki should put her hands over her ears, just in case of a loud squeak. Seamus handed the bagpipes to Joe and then stood with his hands over his ears, Joe was not impressed. She thought he could at least have given her the benefit of the doubt. Eki fell to the floor laughing at the sight of another slurp at Downs, pulling funny faces at Joe with his fingers in his ears. Seamus was dancing back and forth doing a Scottish jig. You two are a good pair. I haven't even started playing and you make fun of me. Don't get cranky. That's the trouble with smelly girls, Seamus. They get grumpy very quickly and that's a Slurp It Downs fact. Get cranky? That's rich coming from a Slurp It Downs. After all, you are the master of crankiness. And I'm not smelly at all. And that is a human person type of fact. Mary winked at Seamus and with that, Joe attempted her bagpipe playing. Everybody stood in shock. Joe was not at all bad. You must have known how to do it and you didn't tell us. Frustrated with the reaction she had just received from Seamus, she put the bagpipes down and announced that it's about time everybody recognised how brilliant she was. This set everybody laughing hysterically as they then proceeded to set the table for their Scottish dinner. Eki shook her head and said that she always knew the smelly girl was full of wind. Everything was going to be fine. The holiday had just begun and many adventures were waiting to be experienced. They all sat down at a beautifully crafted wooden table. The chairs were large with high backs. Carved into each chair were the initials M and S. The placemats were tartan and salt and pepper shakers were carved out of elder branches. Mary piled the food onto their plates and Joe wondered how they would be able to tackle the amount. Iki just dug in. The food looked delicious and it didn't even touch the sides of her mouth. It was as if she hadn't eaten in a year. The vegetables were colourful, crisp and tasty. The gravy was piping hot, thick and moorish, a culinary delight. The haggis was surprisingly tasty and cooked to perfection. Joe never did tell Iki what she was eating, and that was just as well, considering she asked for two more helpings. Bedtime came all too soon, and the pair said goodnight to their new friends and waddled off to their room.
Seamus had made sure the fire in their room was lit and the room was as warm as toast. The clover soap was soft and smelt sweet. As Job washed herself, she felt herself being lulled into a sleepy state. She was the first to jump into the beautiful four-poster bed. Eki found the clover soap a challenge. It kept jumping out of her hands. Every time she picked it up, it squirted between her fingers and jumped across the floor like a little frog. Eki was becoming agitated and red in the face. <coughs> Joe laughed as she watched the little slurper down throw yet another temper tantrum. Pick the silly thing up, Eki, and hurry up and get into bed. I've been asleep all day, so leave me alone and get your smelly self to sleep. Joe didn't need Eki's instructions. She had already fallen into a deep trance. Bedtime was the best time of all to recover from the day's trials. Eki was wide awake and decided to sit by the window and stare out at the dark night. There didn't seem to be many stars, but then again, it was cloudy and rainy outside. She also realised that the sky would look totally different on the other side of the world. The wind whistled through oaks and a few late-night owls hooted their songs. There were no kookaburras laughing and no possums banging on the roof or kangaroos hopping amongst the grass. All that could be heard was the sound of the nearby creek rippling across mossy rocks and swirling with urgent intent down the watercourse. Frogs seemed to be having a wonderful time orchestrating their tunes. Pipes could be heard playing ballads of the past, and an eerie feeling came across Eki. It was as if the place was haunted with the souls of Scotland's past. Sitting on the window box was comforting, and the room was cosy. Eki still missed her mum and dad. She coped well enough and was grateful that she had her best friend there to look after her. It wasn't long before Iki herself fell fast asleep. The night had begun and the day was done. Back in Australia, Iki's mother was having a devil of a time trying to find her daughter. It was early in the morning when Iki's mother went to wake her for breakfast and discovered that she was missing from her room. She checked under the bed, in the bathroom and knocked on the toilet door. No Iki anywhere. Very strange indeed. Iki didn't like to get out of her soft, warm bed early in the morning. Iki's mother usually had a hard time getting her out of bed. It wasn't a morning without the normal slurp-it-downs argument on hurrying up for school and the fight over washing her face was intolerable. It took place every slurp-it-downs morning because Iki said that she was allergic to water and soap. Iki slurp-it-downs and washing did not mix. She found her husband outside and asked if he had seen Iki. He was astonished that she was out of bed so early, but didn't think too much about it. After all, Iki was usually up to something, yet it always seemed to end well. She has probably dashed off to one of her school friends' house for a slurp at downs breakfast and just forgot to tell us. You know, she never even thinks to let us know what she's doing, so don't worry. When she gets back... I will have another talk to her on letting us know before she goes anywhere. Where in Slurp It Down's heaven could she be? That child will be the death of me. Always up to some kind of shenanigans. If she has travelled without permission, there will be trouble. A few hours on the timeout mat will do her more good 
than another long talk. And that is a Slurper Downs fact. After searching and searching, her mother felt that something was terribly wrong and approached the town elder. I just don't know where the naughty Slurper Downs is and I have looked everywhere. She knows not to go anywhere without telling an adult where she is going, even though her dad thinks she does, at times, take off without a word. How many times do I have to remind the little Slurperdowns to let us know? I've asked all of Iki's friends if they've seen her. Nobody has seen her at all this morning, and she will miss school and fall behind on all the lessons if she isn't found soon. Just hope she hasn't taken off exploring in the bush by herself. Lately, all she seems to do is sit on the timeout mat because she is constantly in trouble. Very soon it will be worn out. Aunt Pepper came out of the snot glue production room and sensed that the village was concerned about something. What's going on? I could hear all of you from inside the snot pot room. It's little Eki. She's vanished and nobody has seen her at all this morning. Just disappeared and that means no breakfast and no school. Well, I don't think she would have wandered too far. After all, Eki loves to eat. It's strange for her to miss a meal though. And she only told me the other day how much she enjoys school, especially the lessons when they're learning about the law of attraction. Hiki asked me yesterday if I could tell her how she could attract cream cakes. It was quite funny. Maybe she's at Joe's house. They're always together and usually getting into mischief. Although Joe would be at school by now because of the essay exam. And you know how important that is. (sighs) It's a bit of a mystery, I'm afraid. Hmm... Very strange. Everybody calm down. I'm sure there's a good explanation on where the little slope at Downs is. Have any of you gone down to the creek to see if she's playing down there or fishing? Waldo's out working. He's checking the bush for polluted samples and maybe she's with him. I suggest you gather into small groups and start searching. Don't worry. I'll travel to the school and see if she's with Joe. Something tells me she's under the school desk giving Joe encouragement. When the creatures met Waldo, he hadn't seen her at all, although he did have a sort of prediction that something horrid was going to happen. This frightened the creatures and school was cancelled. School's cancelled. Must go home with your parents, I think. Time to go home. Safe at home. The children were put in the safe hands of their parents for the day. By the time Pepper arrived at the human school, all the pupils were in the playground for morning break. She wandered about until she found Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Have you seen Joe? There's something I need to talk to her about. Yeah, we were in class together and I left her there while she looked for her pen. She dropped it under the table. I must admit she was acting very strange. I rushed out of the room to buy a paddle pot because I was starving. The exam was so stressy and, you know, I think I did really well. That's nice, dear, but I still don't know where Jo is. Are you sure you haven't seen her since the exam? Definitely not. Come to think of it, she never did line up at the tuck shop. It's not like her. Maybe she went home unwell. Actually, Jo did have a funny moment during the exam. I thought it was just nerves. Jo never really stresses about essay writing because she's so good at it. Maybe she had a bellyache and rang her mother to pick her up. Hang on, she was poking her ears with her fingers. She could have an ear infection. Okay, dear. Thank you very much. I'm sure we'll find Jo soon. I'm glad that you feel you did well in the exam. Excellent stuff. See you later. 
Boy, that girl can talk a leg off a chair. But she means well, I suppose. Hmm, I wonder. She pondered for a moment. Joe was missing, and so was Iki. This was not at all good. Something told her it was connected, a sort of second sense. Teachers were notified that Joe had disappeared, and that started dramas of its own. Just in case something dreadful had happened to Joe, all the children's parents were asked to pick up their children. A group of kids were escorted to their buses by a teacher. Come on, kids, into the buses. Hurry up. Nothing like this had ever rocked the school community, and it sent shockwaves throughout the town. What could have happened to the school's star essay writer? The police and teachers searched every square inch of the school, and Joe was nowhere to be seen. The creatures searched every square inch of the bush, and no Iki could be found. It was now a new mystery for Cork Upper Ripple Creek. Melissa, being dramatic and unpredictable, started talking about a book she had been reading. It was about schoolgirls who had gone for a picnic and disappeared. So she was in fine form imagining that Joe had disappeared, never to be found. Oh goodness, what if she's never found? Jeffrey will have no sister and I will have lost my best friend. Oh gosh, I should have stayed with her in the classroom after the exam. She probably needed me to help her find the stupid pen. What if a stranger walked into the classroom and grabbed her? Oh heck, I feel faint. Maybe I need another paddle pop to calm my nerves. This is a disaster. Maybe school should be cancelled and then we can go home early. Considering it was already home time, Melissa needed to take a breath and calm down. Pepper, on the other hand thought that they had possibly travelled somewhere and were now stuck. Iki, being a small child, may not have the strength or know-how to return home. Interesting how Pepper was unwittingly on the correct wavelength. When I was a little girl, I believed in fairy tales. I wished my toys would come to life and that my stories could be... You have just been listening to the Mysteries of Cork Upper Ripple Creek audio tales based on the children's book by Australian author Susan Pease. To find out more about these stories or to purchase hard copies, please visit susan-pease.com. That's S-U-S-A-N-P-E-A-S-E.com. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on the next magical instalment of the Mysteries of Cork Upper Ripple Creek. Listen, enjoy and learn tips on saving the planet. That is a Slurp It Downs and Gulper Waters fact. This has been a Corky Scoop Production 2022. All rights reserved. Tune in next time.